how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Films from the 70s really stayed with me, said Tim Kirby, director of Less Looks, Action Point, Fleabag, Beep, and Brockfire. His latest film, Last Looks, stars Charlie Hunnam and Mel Gibson. The story follows a disgraced ex-cop who has a quiet life until he's forced to return to his former life as a private eye to investigate a murder. In this interview, Kirby talks about his fascination with storytelling, the difficulty of transitioning from television to films as a director, particularly in England, how he worked on commercials and music videos earlier in his career, what feeds you as a director, and the importance of having good instincts. Well, I was, um, yeah, I mean, I guess um, <clears throat> growing up, I, I just spent my uh, teenage years in the theater, in the cinema watching it. My dad was obsessed with films. Um, I used to, he used to let me <laughs> uh, watch <clears throat> the adult films, and I say adult as in sort of uh, things like Deliverance um, and The Deer Hunter uh, at quite a young age. Um, and, you know, they, they were quite sort of impressionable and uh, sort of a spectacle. So I sort of seen them sort of mid-teens really kind of getting into um, the storytelling. They, 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 these sort of films from the 70s really stayed with me, Apocalypse Now, something, you know, um, so I sort of became obsessed with uh, how films are put together. And um, in the UK, we used to get this, the making of every sort of Saturday at 5.45. We used to get behind the scenes and there was a behind the scenes making of, of The Empire Strikes Back. And it, it blew my mind that, that you know, <laughs> people just walking about with scripts and, and, and talking without their helmets on because I bought that. I, I watched that and I, I think that, I thought that actually all happened. So I sort of became obsessed with the mechanics of uh, 
storytelling and and just losing one's imagination and 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 how you can uh, manipulate the image um, <clears throat> and tell the story you want to tell. So yeah, you know, I just I, I became obsessed with watching as many films I could um, to try and study and understand in my teenage years. And I picked up a Super 8 camera. I used to animate vegetables around the house uh, with put little voices on them. And they used to sort of like one frame and move them. And, and, and so, yeah, so I sort of got, got into that. This was like 14, 15. So, you know, I just, um, I, I always, always had this, you know, this is a bizarre imagination, which um, I, I sort of wanted to, to try and expand and, uh, and do it through the nature of film. So just a lifelong obsession. <laughs> Tell me a little about, so I've interviewed a few um, directors who have kind of made their name in television and moved into filmmaking. Did you find it? Mm. I know you've kind of done both of the years, but do you find that you kind of almost get stuck categorically in one or the other? Is it easy to transition back and forth? Well, in this country, I say this country, the UK, a, a lot of the talent is channeled through uh, commercials and television. You know, in the 70s, you had Ridley Scott, Anthony Minghella, um, uh, Adam Parker, you know, and they were all big commercial directors. Um, and sort of in the 80s and 90s, it was, it was about the BBC and sort of getting into sort of do documentaries and te television and long form. So it's very rare, sort of, it's very sort of difficult rather to, to go from zero to, to, to director overnight. You know, I think in the, in the States, it happens a lot more. I think you do one good short film um, and a studio can see that. And if they like you and they like your work, they, get, they take a punt. In the UK, it's a lot harder. Um, and that's why ultimately I have drifted over to the US because I, I find it, um, it, it I, you know, it's, it's a lot more black and white business. It's like, we like you, we like what you've just done. Let's give this guy a shot. In the UK, it's, well, he hasn't really done drama or he hasn't really, you know, done a musical, you know, and it, there's a lot more sort of legwork. However, the benefit of that is you learn your craft Mm -hmm. So you do a lot. I did corporate videos. I did music documentary. I did three big music documentaries on Iron Maiden, uh, uh, Judas Priest and Motorhead. Uh, and I've tried techniques there, which I wouldn't have done on any other, you know, format. Um, I, I've sh I shot commercials uh, and then and then sort of segued into television. And, and still it was really hard. To, it's really hard to get a film off the ground in this country, or it certainly was in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and, and so, you know, you learn your craft in television. So when I think my first US project was, was Veep um, and Armando who started in radio, uh, again, he, he, he learned the discipline of comedy it, that you've got to sort of, you've got to hold someone, um, hold, hold someone's attention in, in a short amount of time. Uh, by using the pace of audio and sound design. So um, when he, he asked me to come and direct, you know, you, you sort of come to the medium in the, in the US uh, already aware of your craft and how, how, how hard it's been to get to this point. Um, so I used to sort of say to people, you know, in the, in the UK, you don't get a big break. It's a series of little breaks mm -hmm. um, and you do a little break and then you, you do another 
mini break and all these little breaks builds up to a career mm. all the all the while tracking alongside that is the passion and the ambition to direct a film um and that's the goal for any director really or rather that's what they would ultimately love to do because you know that's what you that's what you feed off as a as a kid and and as i say as a teenager that's what your influences are and that's that's your religion as it were um and certainly was for me so yeah so i was always really invested into you know when am i going to make my film when am i going to do it and i i wrote screenplays that were ridiculous and got a sort of drawer full of ideas and you know when i signed to caa back about 7 years ago you know they were walking me into all sorts of meetings to um to try and figure something out and and you've got to be careful what you take um because there's obviously two routes you can go for the sort of commercial take the money or run or or do the long game and sort of just get a little bit you know fall in love with the script and and uh, unfortunately sometimes those projects fall apart and you know but that's that's it you know you, you can't get mad you can't get bitter you just have to dust yourself off and keep going so I now obviously have a very sort of uh, sort of solid TV career behind me. Um, and now I'm very much sort of invested in, uh, and certainly slightly older now, I'm, I'm, I just, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, the one narrative, the, the pure vision uh, and the discipline of a film versus uh, a tight schedule, episodic, um, trying to make things work and, uh, you know, maybe there's another director coming in before or after you, you know, which is fine. But, you know, now now I'm in that sort of groove that I, I'm enjoying um, <clears throat> making films and trying to tell stories as, as best I can and 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 talking to the, the writer of the of the uh, screenplay and the lead actor and trying to figure out the best way through it, really. Um, so I'm very happy going between television and film. Um, in fact, I've, I've just finished or nearly finished a very, very big TV series. Because ultimately, you know, you, you have to be material driven. Um, and, you know, if, a, if, a, if an extraordinary television project came up, uh, you know, you can't, you can't walk away from it. You, you know, hence some of the things I've done in the last sort of five years where you read something, you go, wow, that's extraordinary. Um, the thing with film is there's a lot of unproduced screenplays and, and you know, I've read hundreds of scripts. Uh, and it's funny, I looked through my inbox the other day um, and it goes back to 2001 when I started to come, no, it's 2007 when I started coming to LA. And I looked at all the scripts that, um, uh, that were there and, and very few of them have actually been made. Mm. Um, and then the ones that were made had a totally different style to the one that I had a meeting on and you know so it's films tricky films tricky to 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 get off the ground and to to you know and, and for everyone to embrace it and I, I, there's there's a lot more to lose with a film I guess there's more eyes on it whereas t television television's a sort of a tried and tested format that that uh that you can ex experiment on and uh and you go for sort of seven seasons and you can change the season and actors come and go so there's merits to both side of the craft or or the industry and i and i love them both i've got to be honest and uh so yeah i mean uh, i just i just think anyone who gets to make a film is 
is very privileged in my opinion because it's very hard um and you've got to sacrifice something along the way to to get to that starting line mm. before we get to your your latest film, i do want to touch on action point which you made a few years ago it seems like this type of movie this is the johnny knoxville movie movie but it's you've got action comedy did you also feel like kind of a mixture of like movie and documentary? Cause you're, are, are you setting up stunts for him to do that play along with the plot? Is that how you would define the movie? Yeah. I mean, action points are a tricky one to be honest, because the script that I read uh, and the finished product are very, very different. Um, and I think, you know, I wanted to make the bad news bears. I wanted to make this very sort of very simple, very lazy uh, sort of <clears throat> ensemble piece um, with Johnny sort of, you know, walking through the narrative and the odd stunt happening here and there um, based on Action Park uh, in New Jersey. And, but it sort of, it, it turned into something else. I think, I think there was sort of, there was a lot of pressure to, to, to jackass it up and that was never the intention. So it sort of had this weird hybrid at the end of it um, that was neither one thing or the other. Mm. So on one hand, you have this, uh, this, this, this film, which looks like a sort of Hal Ashby film, mm. and yet it, it, it sort of moves in a slightly odd way. And, you know, my first cut of the film was two hours 40, and I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was a work of art, personally, but... And I put David Bowie music on, I had all the slow motion stunts, but all of that got taken away. All of that got sort of kicked out of the room. And it just got boiled down to, you know, a hard 87 minute comedy. So it, it was a strange journey from the script landing on my desk going, that's the script, that's the project I want to do. Uh, and I, I flew into LA and had a meeting with the head of, paramount with my vision with johnny in the room i think oh he's actually on the phone but um but it's sort of from, from that to the finished project was miles apart mm. um, so yeah you know i'm i'm proud of some things in the film but it's it it's an it's an odd one action point i think mm. it has moments it has its moments but you know well, tell me about, uh, I know they're very different movies, but let's talk about your transition from Action Point to Last Looks. What did you come in and, and do differently? And obviously it, this one's probably more to the script than Action Point was, but what were some of those things you knew coming in you wanted to do differently with this film? Yeah, well, weirdly, I was in the edit of uh, Action Point where I was sort of sniffing around for the next project. And I, I didn't want to do a hard comedy. I didn't want to to do a franchise film or, or um, you know, uh, and, and you get a sense, I got, I get sent a lot of those projects. And, you know, after the experience I was going through or just been through, I really was looking for something different and, and a bit quieter actually. And so the, the, I was very seduced by the first pages where you had this sort of, uh, you know, this wild man living off the land uh, and there was no dialogue for ages. And I thought, this is great. This is great. You know, this is, um, this is, this is, this is what I want. And, and then it sort of, 
you know, these people sort of penetrated his sort of uh, existence and, and, and lured him into LA. Uh, and I'm a big fan of LA. I sort of go, it, I, I used to go in and out of phase of, of the city and um, the city of doors, I call it, because you would always just go to an address and the door would open and you'd just be in this bizarre place. Um, and I liked that excitement. It was very, very sort of surreal and, and slightly kind of seedy and edgy. Um, so I really enjoyed the character, uh, characterization as this slight kind of outsider, which I view myself as. And uh, he's slightly on the fringes of society and, and, and his industry. Um, and he, you know, on the surface, he's a, he's a man with a past, which is obviously, with film noir, it's like man with no past, hero with no future, you know. Um, but it, I found the whole thing very intriguing. And as it sort of moved through the screenplay, which was very detailed, every page had something to get your teeth into. It's, it's quite a long screenplay, if I remember. It's like 128 pages, which was very long. But it was all there. It was like, wow, this is a beast. Um, and I love it because it's, it's, a, it's a murder mystery. It's a sort of good old fashioned Hollywood murder mystery. And I would love to put some comedy into it uh, and, and, and try and mess with Charlie Wardo's point of view so that it reminded me when I used to come to LA and, and you'd sort of meet certain people and, uh, and it just used to freak me out a bit so uh, so I really wanted to add that little surreal edge to it kind of quirky if you will and some you know some characters are slightly heightened because of that but I wanted to celebrate that as opposed to um, uh, you know, I, I wanted every sort of temperature of character in there. So you have, you do have the slightly kind of uh, unhinged sort of showy Alastair Pinch, who was very much modelled on uh, the, the a, a sort of bygone era of the Oliver Reeds, Peter O'Toole and Richard Burton. And they did act like that. Um, they were larger than life. They were drinkers 24-7. And that actor just doesn't exist anymore. And, but they used to be everywhere. And, you know, it kind of reminded me, I was thinking about Alistair Pinch and he, there he is sort of slapping around in this primetime sort of shitty sort of uh, uh, law and order kind of show. Um, but, he's, but he's Brando, basically. He's, you know, and it reminded me of, um, I watched a brilliant documentary on Val the other day and, and they had moments of... Um, uh, the island of Dr. Moreau and when Brando turned up, you know, kind of overweight, wearing white face powder and, and just looking like a, like a, like a nutter. Um, and that's, you know, at the end of, 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 a, of a genius's career, <clears throat> sometimes you are, you know, you are slightly unhinged and a bit sort of deranged from, <clears throat> from uh, you know, allowing yourself to embody all these characters and so we're, we're watching Alastair Pinch at the very end of his career really well at the moment because he's spiraling you know and you don't know anything about his past um that he that he won this award and he was a Shakespeare royal Shakespeare so so I loved all that I loved the fact he's British I loved the fact that Mel was going to do it I liked Charlie um Hunnam came attached to the project I met with Charlie 
and I think it's really important to you know go go arm in arm with with number one on the call sheet um, in in every project uh, and talk to them about their process um, of what they like about director and what they don't like about director and to talk about the tone so that you can form it together because in my opinion you know number one informs the the character tone and and so so I, I enjoyed all these processes the this the, the journey that this project was taking me on because again with television you usually get it's very quick you get a script you like it and then you you zoom someone or meet someone and, and then you're on um, and if you're going out pitching it's 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 you know the series hasn't been written but with a with a screenplay it's it's nearly there um and then obviously i met the lovely writer the very talented uh howard michael gould um who i don't think he took his name from elliot gould philip marlowe um in longer boy anyway so I, I met howard and he's amazing and he was very open to any changes that uh i wanted to um offer so yeah, so you know, I was very, I, I want, I was looking for a, pro, a challenge, something different to a hard comedy, um, but 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 I could still have my, you know, toe in the comedy world and try and sprinkle that onto the situations where possible. And Charlie was up for that. He was he was game. You know, Charlie wanted to just uh, wanted to have a play really, and and was very you know, very microscopic about. The trajectory of his character and you know and his feelings in each scene so it was a really nice dance with him he's great if you were to kind of to go back is there any advice you wish you had early in your career any advice you'd like to pass on to directors maybe making their first film or trying to break in today yeah I've, i mean you know i've had a very schizophrenic career and you you know you you feel quite alone and lonely between each project and you just think is this the right thing I'm doing should I be doing more you'll always find someone who is doing better than you more successful that's just comes with it I mean I would say just follow your instincts you know I had I had very strong instincts and I believed in them and it was passion not desperation and and if you have good instincts you are literally halfway there because anyone can direct it's about perception so if you have good instincts and you feel good about that, you are halfway there. Then you've got to convince someone to give you the money to go and make it. And then all of a sudden you're on set and then you should feel free to ask the actor and, and the crew uh, to, it's a collaboration, never feel unconfident because you are there for a reason. You've been chosen to be there and go with it and enjoy it and lose yourself and be present because it's it's a it's a it's a real gift of an opportunity so yeah just follow your instincts and and believe because i've had more knockbacks than um successes but we don't talk about that but they're okay you have to find places to fail you have to unfortunately you have to do you know the, the odd bit of work that that doesn't work you're in it for the long game i think the only director recently i think De dennis villeneuve doesn't seem to put a foot wrong but there's not many directors you know you have to you have to try things but follow those instincts if there's something not right about the script don't do it <laughs>
or some or the actor or the producer just you know feel good about what you're doing because it's a lot of energy and sacrifice Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.